Welcome to Get Up in the Cool, old-time music with Cameron DeWitt and friends. This week's friend is Sammy Brayman of The Onlys. We recorded this at my home back in January during the Portland Old-Time Music Gathering. Get Up in the Cool is listener-supported. Shout-out to Brendan, this week's newest supporter. Thanks so much. I love making Get Up in the Cool, but I need a lot of help making it because of all the resources it takes. So you're helping make it happen. It means a lot to me. Thank you again. Anyone else who wants to help make the show happen every week can sign up at patreon.com slash getupinthecool or follow the link in the show notes. Choose a level that you can comfortably sustain and get some exclusive bonus content for chipping in. If you can't afford to donate right now, please spread the word about the show. Tell folks at your local jam, spread the Facebook videos around, and buy a t-shirt. Oh yeah, by the way, there are t-shirts now with Trisha Spencer's awesome new design. Follow the link in the show notes for this episode. Stick around afterwards and I'll tell you how to keep up with this week's guest. But first, here's my interview and jam with Sammy Brayman. Enjoy. Thank you. 
Good tune. Thank you. (laughs) Sammy Brayman, welcome to Get Up in the Cool. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Yeah, thanks for taking a little of your festival time to come do this. Such a (laughs) privilege. Oh, well, great. It's so fun. Yeah, I love it. (laughs) Uh, What is that tune? Where did it come from? That tune is called Snowtown, and it's a tune that I wrote um, when I was at... I go to school at Whitman College in Walla Walla, Washington, and um, last winter... It was very snowy until spring break, all the way just from January on. And then um, I was trying to practice in a practice room, and I was just like, well, I think I can't really practice right now. I think I have to write a tune. I think it has to express my feelings towards the continued snow. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, Uh, that's the story behind the name. Okay, so I don't want to necessarily, like read into the tune necessarily that much but if it's feelings about the snow uh were you tired of the snow at that point or anxious or like feeling like i mean i generally love the snow yeah but i think at that point i was a little bit tired of it because it was so freezing and i was like slipping everywhere it was just hard to it was just very prolonged and i'm not used to that much snow but i really do love the snow usually um and that also i think i i just named it that instead of writing the tune out of those feelings, you know? <laughs> yes. Like, I had already, I think I'd written that B part a while ago, and then I was like, Great. maybe I'll just call it Snowtown. That was going to be my follow-up question, yeah. is like, when you write a tune, because you've written others. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, to what extent do you, like, project meaning back onto it when you title it? What is your, like, normal titling process? I don't really know. I think I, I have a hard time naming tunes, and I think the names usually come a lot later. Yeah. Um, like... I just think that it has to do with the the setting I was in when I was writing it. And then also, like, yeah, just kind of capturing a point in time and what was going on at that point. And if, I don't know, I think that tune in some ways reflects the way I feel about the snow. But it's just, a, it's a coincidence that it was also happening Great. to be that time of the year. <laughs> cool. That makes a lot of sense. I often wonder that about, like, I mean, the older tunes in this tradition that we play. Yeah. You know? Yeah, well, the names... Why are these called these things? Yeah, I feel like the names of all these tunes just always can inspire fun, like, like you just don't... Like, I wrote a tune a while back that I think Riley played on this show called Cups and Mugs. Oh, yeah. And it was only named that because we were recording it with the rug lifters on our... Um, with John Herman and Meredith McIntosh and then Leo and Riley, who are in the onlys. Um, and we were... We decided to record it, but it didn't have a name. Yeah. And then we just kind of decided to name it off of what it's kind of a long story but at clifftop we were kind of trying to think of if we wanted to change the band name the onlys what would we change it to oh because we had had that name for so long but we decided ultimately not to change it but some of our ideas were a little um like based off of the things we saw around the campsite and one of them was cups and mugs (laughs) so we were like we'll just name that tune that because it's kind of fun and ringy Huh. <laughs> Interesting. So yeah, they didn't didn't really have a correlation there, but I just think fun words and phrases can inspire things to think about when you're playing when you're hearing a tune, especially because there's no lyrics to help you along with that um, imagining process. I guess it was a while ago when Riley was on the show, but I feel like so we played that tune, and mm-hmm. I think he gave some sort of story that is like maybe contradictory to that which is he, oh, I think he, I think he said something like this tune is called cups and mugs because like and then he insinuated that 
y'all were like inebriated when it like when you would play it or or something <laughs> like that um and just had some sort of like cute little like stage banter version of it and oh now, really like, yeah it's the real mundane story i'm telling you here yeah no i like it <laughs> i like both <laughs> no it's yeah. it's um yeah i mean i think i think also we don't have any idea of the genesis of some of the names of sure. tunes and yeah even our band name, we always conf- or we always debate who actually thought of it first. And I really think it was one of our parents. So there's that cleared up for you right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, I like the idea of y'all being together long enough that there's sort of a mythology around some of these things. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's lots of weird, um, yeah, there's lots of... Uh, ancient history and lore of the onlys that and a lot of funny i have lots of embarrassing photos of them Uh and fun haircuts that we all remember and it's really (laughs) unique experience to grow up alongside your bandmates and be able to be that close to them they're kind of like my brothers and since we've added viv that's also been um a fun i just think that really changed a dynamic in a good way after we graduated from high school is kind of a new chapter in a way that allowed it to continue going forward in a new way. So, yeah. When, when did you all start playing together? Um, I started playing with, well, when we were probably just starting fiddle when Leo and Riley and I were around five or six, Riley started first when he was four and then Leo when he was five and then me when I was six. So kind of right around that time. Did you all do like Suzuki together? Um, I think Riley and Leo both did Suzuki. I never technically did Suzuki, which is weird because I was learning by ear and also playing classical stuff. Um, But it was never, I never had to thank you for my lesson or anything like that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I didn't know that was a part of it. Yeah, I think you, that's at least what Riley and Leo have told me was they would like bow and say thank you for my lesson afterwards. So I never had that formalized training, yeah. but we would. You're always like, peace. <laughs> peace <laughs> Smell teacher. you later. Yeah. That was my vibe yeah, as a cool. six year old. Um, <laughs> but I think we, I think um, a reason we, well, we wanted, there was this festival in Seattle called the Folklife Festival. Yeah. And we always wanted to, we always, I mean, that was kind of the place where I first heard some folk music. And I remember being really inspired by watching people perform there. And then, the three of us, when we were probably seven or eight, wanted to go and busk there. So yeah. that's kind of where we started gathering up tunes that we knew in common and um, having kind of a band repertoire. And we, we'd gone to camps together before that, like fiddle tunes in Port Townsend, um, and had always just been the closest friends and also played music. And then it, um, yeah, that it started to be more of a band as we got older. So it's kind of, we've always played music as long as we've known music and each other. And I've known them since I was in preschool and babyhood. So, yeah. So you, you, um, the Ruglifters, that album, and then upcoming album, Mm -hmm. is that the Ruglifters, if I remember, I mean, last time I listened to it, it seemed like it was mostly just traditional music focused on instrumental music. Yeah. And is this next album that as well? This next album is definitely focused on, I think, I mean, over the years we've played a lot, a variety of styles, but it's definitely all kind of come together under old time music. Right. Um, and that was definitely what the Ruglifters was. And then this is, um, I think, along a similar thread, but we do have, I mean, yeah, I don't think there's any original songs, Yeah. Um, but there's original tunes. Yeah. And then um, I think we've... 
I think we do have more like of an f- emphasis on singing in this album because Viv um, yeah, has brought sure. a lot of that into the band. And we it would be a waste rep- not to. It would yeah. be honestly <laughs> yeah. offensive to yeah. not have her voice <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> featured a lot on it. Yeah. But also Leo and Riley sang and I sing one. And, um, and then, uh, yeah, we've just, I think we're, it's pretty traditional, but I think we've chosen stuff that feels more, I think it feels a little bit more just modern than, or I don't know, the rug lifters just felt really all together, yes. just trad. Yeah. This has a little bit more of a forward moving vibe to it, but it still really feels old. Cause your, your past albums were, I feel like they were a lot more like singer songwriter, yeah. new acoustic. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. We, we were really, um, I think we had such a privilege growing up and being exposed to like the, f- we just like thought we could do- play anything we wanted, yeah. which is co- like the best thing for a child. Yeah. Um, and, um, I think we, we went to these camps put on by Tristan and Tashina Claridge, um, and they brought in people like Daryl Anger and Bruce Molsky, yeah. and we would go to Alistair Fraser's fiddle camps in California. Those were Scottish. I, I, my original fiddle music love was, um, and still is Cape Breton fiddle music. Yeah. Um, and so I was wanting to find as much of, I, much of that music as I could when I was little, and we kind of fell into this community of young musicians from the West Coast who all play um, kind of more new acoustic music or sing, write songs. And yeah. um, we got, and then Tristan was the one who produced our album that we released in high school. And I feel like that was a really, like, I think we all, um, yeah, I think that was just a really cool experience to, we were writing like and creating a lot of music yeah. and that was inspired by, old stuff that we love to play, but it was very much like, yeah, new acoustic, new yes. creative, like high school, we can do whatever we want kind of yeah. s- vibe um, to those albums. And I think like, yeah, it was just a, it was fun to be able to have a recording experience at that age. And it was such a privilege to be able to do that. Yeah. And um, so even though sometimes I listen back and I'm like, goodness, that's kind of embarrassing, especially with the... Because you're like putting your heart out there. And like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. like just some of the, like, we have this EP that's called <clears throat> The Day That Never Was that came out when mm-hmm. we were 11. Yeah. And um, it's very funny. It's like, <laughs> like, I just wrote this one tune that has just one chord the whole time. And we were like, yes, this is it. Um, but... I'm so glad that that was part of my yeah. musical path because I think that it allowed us to just be as creative and free as we wanted to be. Hmm. And I think now we've kind of come together under a more cohesive sound, which feels something that is more sustainable for a long... I think we would love to just play together whenever we can forever, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> which is a great way to have a band. It's, it feels kind of like a family band. Yeah, it's kind of amazing because I feel like... Like most relationships that you, that are like your oldest relationships, at a certain point you're just like, uh, I don't think we can have these anymore. <laughs> like yeah. I think we need to not, yeah, do this. And yeah, it's, it's cool wild. that you still like each other. Yeah, I think <laughs> it's the really perfect, awesome. <laughs> I think it's the secret to, <laughs> secret to success is having three only children that get to hang out with each other when they want to 
and then yeah. when they need to be like i mean this is not the secret to success but right. i mean but like we we kind of functioned as siblings but we right. never had to like get exhausted of each other being li- living in the same yeah. house or you know, siblings we had... who could go home exactly yeah. yeah so it was a great uh... balance and i think it both gave us uh, the source of that like i don't think any of us feel like we were i mean i don't want to speak for the rest. I of don't know. I mean, yeah. I did play a lot by myself as a yeah, child, sure. like you yeah. know, yeah. as only children do. But I always had a sense of like family with those two families, and we're close with um, both the parents of Leo and Riley too. And yeah, so it's pretty sweet and special. I think that it's unique that we still are such good friends, and we played so well together as preschoolers, and just yeah. with like blocks and Legos. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> this is really great. <laughs> Well, what else do you want to play? Um, I would love to play a tune that I discovered kind of at the end of last year um, from a banjo player named Karen Collins. And we like to call it Karen Collins' tune. Um, And I I got it from this woman, Candy Goldman, in Seattle. Um, I was kind of talking to her about how I never hear any recordings of female source fiddlers. or um, I mean, there is definitely a repertoire of or a collection of female musicians who recorded during the time yeah. that a lot of men and <laughs> were being recorded back in the 60s and before then. But um, but Candy then gave me this cool uh, tape of all of these fem- female fiddlers in Kentucky and West Virginia that um, Bruce Green had collected yeah. um, a while back. And this this banjo player, Karen Collins, I think she's probably still alive um, and there's another guitar player named that also, so it's not her. Yeah. <laughs> but um, <laughs> to everyone who's about to write in, <laughs> we've looked. I've done a yeah. lot of weird research. <laughs> Sammy's been down that road. <laughs> but I did talk. I emailed um, Bruce Green about it, and he says that she was a student of Buell Kazee and um, kind of learned banjo from her, and I mean from him. And then um, they kind of played together um, for a while. And there's videos of them playing at the at a Berea um, on the Berea archive whatever website for a, a festival honoring Buell Kazee. Yeah. Um, and then he hasn't been in contact with her for a long time, so he doesn't know if she's still playing banjo. But this is a cool tune that I think she learned from him uh, that she learned from Buell called we call it Karen Collins tune. Yeah, great. <laughs> Thank you. 
Sorry. It's okay. It's just an arrangement thing. Uh, <laughs> wow. Uh, so you learned this from a banjo recording. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How many of those notes was Buell Kizzy is that his name mm-hmm. was Buell Kizzy a banjo player as well yes great and like were, are you like reverse engineering out a fiddle kind of version of that like, yeah kind of yeah. I well I um she plays it in a cool tuning that's kind of modal so it has an interesting that's kind of what drew huh. me to the tune first um, but I thought it had a really interesting, I think the A part is really unique and the B part sounds pretty like standard and it's a cool yeah. combo of those two things. Um, and I, yeah, I guess it was just kind of, yeah, translating what I heard on the banjo to the fiddle. Um, but I have actually since then like heard a recording of Bruce playing it from again, like a Berea archive video. Yeah. Um, and it's similar to how I play it, but it's sort of like, it's just funny to hear it. Um, interpreted slightly differently and probably probably she played it differently depending I don't know it's sure. kind of yeah um, but it was interesting to hear another interpretation of that from the banjo and I like learning tunes from banjo players too um, I feel like that's a little rare <laughs> yeah I don't know unless <laughs> <laughs> you like that I appreciate that <laughs> yeah. I just think it's cool to try to it gives you a little bit of freedom to interpret yeah. Like the way that you would approach it on the fiddle. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely different and sometimes can mutate a tune in a different way. <laughs> uh, well, should we play these other G tunes? Um, yeah, Boogerman. The Boogerman. The Boogerman. Do you have like any any explanation for why this tune is called Boogerman? Um, I don't have any explanation for it. Okay, cool. That's at fine. All whatsoever. But I love the image. Um, I guess of a creepy little monster with boogers. <laughs> Alright. Here's Booger Man. Thank you. 
younger man. <laughs> you just got me thinking about like a weir- weird little... <laughs> Like a little... A weird little booger man now. Booger man. Yeah. <laughs> I was is. assuming that it, it was like a boogie man or something, but now it's just like a weird abomination. A of... small little gremlin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's just what I picture, but yeah. maybe... Isn't the boogeyman like a scary... I think so. Scary image in children's little... Yeah, I don't think this tune's very know. scary. Yeah, it's kind of just more mischievous. <laughs> All right, let me get to A real quick. Cool. Awesome, so I always ask people who are trad musicians as kids or parents mm-hmm. of those people how uh, <laughs> I mean, did, did your folks play? Um, my dad played piano and then he started playing guitar when I started fiddling. Yeah. Um, so he was always. Yeah, he kind of was like, like he, I mean, they both, my mom also loved listening to folk music, so they were both like definitely into it before. How, uh, how like consensual was your music education? It was very consensual. Great, you were enthusiastic yeah, about I remember, it. well, I just felt this very, like, I was just really obsessed with, um, a couple. Well, I just love the Dixie Chicks, and I love the Fiddler and the Dixie oh, Chicks. Oh, great! <laughs> and then also, I saw <laughs> Natalie McMaster when I was really young, who's yeah. that Cape Breton fiddler, yeah. and I was like, "Oh my god, I'm gonna be her someday." So I just had like a couple very formative like fiddle hero childhood moments where yeah. that was like what I wanted to do. And then, and I remember like my I think I wanted to learn an instrument, and my parents were like, "You could," or. I think I was deciding between piano and violin or fiddle. And also we had gone to, uh, we took a trip to Ireland when I was six, um, about right before I started taking fiddle lessons. And that was a big moment where I just loved, like we just listened to a lot of Irish music when I was there yeah. and I really liked it. Um, Did you see a lot of live Irish yeah, music? Yeah, we saw awesome. people playing in pubs and stuff and I was, it was my first time going into pubs as a young <laughs> child um but it was really i just i was very drawn to the instrument at a young age and my parents were supportive of it which was great it wasn't they weren't really pushing it on me at all yeah um and they did i think do everything they could to make it so that i could do like i could have as many opportunities to play as i wanted which is so amazing yeah um but they were never kind of like you do this are you like they (laughs) (laughs) thankfully (laughs) They never, they never really pushed it on me, and I think I remember, I have a very clear memory of one time I really didn't want to practice, and my mom was like, well, you could just, like, quit. And I was like, never! How dare you! I would not do that! <laughs> like, it was like, that was, like, so sad to me. I just remember yeah. thinking, that would be the worst. So, it was very much self-driven as a child, which I think is really, a, I don't know, I think that was an important thing. Mm. Um I don't think my parents really pushed me into anything necessarily. So that was a great, that was a great thing. I appreciate yeah. it so much. Thanks guys. If you're listening. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I, uh, you know, I, I grew up studying piano and I was always interested in it, but I never actually wanted to practice because mm-hmm. other things were distracting. And so it was like a weird, you know, kind of relationship with, me having no sort of internal discipline or motivation except for a, a general interest, but like I still had to be forced to play. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I still had to be like told to practice every day. Like, okay. Yeah. yeah. Like I wasn't just sitting down and practicing like 
by myself. I don't know. Like, I think they, they really did, like, encourage me to yeah. pursue what I was doing, like, with full, you know, like, you have to practice in order to play the violin. Okay. Um, but they weren't, again, like, forcing me to do anything. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and my dad would help me practice a lot because he knew how to read music, so he would help me with my... It was mostly, like, I felt like a lot of my practicing with reading music and doing classical stuff was the boring stuff. And then if I ever got to practice learning a tune... I actually... This makes me sound very cool, very old, even though I'm only 21 years old. But I listened <laughs> with a tape, like, a tape player, and I'd, like, I'd record my lessons with a tape recorder yeah. and then play back and listen to little like sections of the oh. tune and learn it that way um, instead of reading instead of reading yeah so that was well that was no that was what i would do for like my fiddle tune part of okay. my lesson and then the classical stuff i didn't want to practice the reading stuff yeah. but i would always be excited to learn the tunes or yeah. um just kind of i would love to put on recordings of fiddlers and just play along with them noodle around and that was like practicing even though it wasn't oh. really did your, doing much did your teacher play like traditional fiddle yeah. music then? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I had, my first teacher was a vo an old time fiddler. Yeah. Um, but I didn't really like, I was really, in, I wanted to learn like Irish music back then. Yeah. Um, so, but she moved away after like two years, I think. And then I started taking lessons with a fiddler in Seattle named Ruthie Dornfeld, who is primarily a, she's a fiddler and she plays a wide variety of styles. So I got exposed to cool like danish tunes and brazilian choros and also awesome. classical stuff so it was really a wide variety of things which is so cool um and i think it's not not common that you find a teacher that will expose you to all those different styles man seattle's cool yeah, i feel seattle's like there's so cool. <laughs> there's so many things going on there uh, yeah yeah and there's all of these there's this whole generation of like fiddle kids that I feel like kind of revolve around that general area. Yeah. Well, there's a ton of them in Olympia. Yeah. Yeah. Olympia's cool. Olympia's there's, really cool. I, at the Olympia Old Time, uh, is it Gathering or Festival? Old Time. Uh, only Old Time. That's only just old what time it's gathering, called. Yeah. yeah. Only Old Time Festival. Uh, at the like uh, open mic on Sunday, I saw these like two 15, 16 year old boys. And they were playing like a Métis tune medley. Oh yes! Uh, and one of them that like exactly played cello, and and he was doing like just like re re like rock and roll reharmonizations underneath it and stuff. And it was just like this is cool. This is so great yeah. that like I haven't seen this anywhere else. Yeah, they have an incredible scene there, um, and lots of. I mean, I think we kind of. They were always a little, like, there were all these younger kids a little bit younger than us. Yeah. And so I feel like it was cool to, I got to, even though they're basically, they're, I mean, they're gonna, they're now kind of our age. Like the yeah. Sassafras sisters who yeah. are playing at the Portland Old Time Gathering are, they help teach with us at Fiddle Tunes and they're playing on Saturday night and they're in high school. So, yeah. um, but they back then seemed so little and now they're just like yeah. kind of our same, like they're kind of peers um, yeah. musically, which is awesome. And I think, um, yeah, I think that there's a really great community in Olympia. Um, and there's some teachers that have really fostered like community. I think, um, I never had as much of a, I mean, we would have like group recital kind of jams sometimes with my fiddle teacher in Seattle, but it was, it's, I think she really brings together all her students a lot in Olympia to play together, um, which I think is a cool thing. And I'm glad that I had 
a sim uh, like with that with Leon Riley, even though we didn't have as much of a group lesson sort of right. community vibe. Right. Hmm. So yeah. I'm going to record uh, them on Saturday. Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm excited for it. Yeah, they're yeah. great. They've yeah. they've always been destined for greatness, and I'm excited that they're playing at the gathering this year. It's really cool. <laughs> uh, let me make sure I'm still in tune. This is Thomas Dillon's Great Eagle. Uh, but before we do that, how do people stay up to date with everything that the Onlys are doing and you are doing in general? Yeah, yeah um, we have a website that's called theonlys.com. Yeah. <laughs> and we have a Facebook page that we probably update more, the Onlys. 
and Instagram. We're on that. We're on the Instagram now. All, on all the normal places. <laughs> We're on all the platforms. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't have uh, any personal musician pages up and running yet. Okay. But I'm about to graduate from college, and that's going to start to be a thing that yeah. I want to pursue <laughs> full time. So um, stay tuned for uh, more places to look for music. and. I imagine that if you're liking and following all of the only's places, yeah. that whenever you do have your own pages yeah they'll be mentioned we'll on the on there. page yeah yeah great totally so. and you can um find our music on well you can find the rug lifters album on Bandcamp, which yeah. you can't find on spotify or right. other places Smart. um so well yeah it's gotta you gotta you gotta make some money somehow yeah. these days <laughs> <laughs> and then uh and then the new one coming out the new one will come summer. out this summer and we're hoping to plan some touring events um, hopefully near you. Did you did you, did you say a name for that album? <laughs> no, Is there we don't one? know the name yet. Okay, cool. To be announced, TBA. Yeah, great. Um, to be decided, TBD. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think I'm excited for that. And we um, re- recorded that with um, Caleb Clotter from here in Portland, um, produced the album, which is really fun. And he plays on a couple of the tracks. So yeah. Can we do it? be great. Stay tuned. Yeah. Thanks so much, Sammy. Yeah, thank you. This is awesome. I'm so glad I got the opportunity to do this, and I'm excited for the Portland Old Time Gathering, which yes. is about to happen. Shout out. <laughs> right here in this timeline, but when in this time you hear it, you'll probably be long past the yeah, maybe yeah. probably long past the festival. <laughs> I hope it goes well. Yeah. <laughs> hope no one falls off the stage right. or has any injuries square dancing. That would be catastrophic. So. Uh, it's nice of you to think. <laughs> to me- <yeah. laughs> Just mentioning it for all yeah. of us. Well, what should we close with here? Um, we can close with a tune called Great Eagle that's um, from Thomas Dillon. Thomas Dillon.
Onlys are releasing a new album and going on tour this summer, and I think they're playing some shows in Walla Walla in the interim, so make sure to check out their website and follow them on social media so you'll be the first to hear when those details emerge. In the meantime, you should buy their album, The Rug Lifters, which is a collaboration with John Herman and Meredith McIntosh. You can support Get Up In The Cool at patreon.com slash getupinthecool, and you can buy a t-shirt or phone case by following the link in this episode's show notes. Make sure to like and follow Get Up In The Cool on Facebook so you can see the video I posted from this episode and share it with the world. And in case you forgot everything I just told you, it's all linked in this episode's show notes on your podcast app. Just tap and swipe until your life is full of new music. That's all for now, friends. Thanks for listening. Come back same time next week to get up in the cool.